come to an end of our messages from the book of Philippians. As I announced earlier, uh, next week I'm going to start a study in 2 Timothy, so you might want to uh, begin reading 2 Timothy and studying that portion of Scripture. So this morning we're going to look at the last three verses in Philippians. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It is the closing, or also known as the valediction, to this particular epistle. One might ask whether there is much value in considering these verses. Uh, For some, they would be kind of a, a throwaway portion of Scripture. But it's important to keep in mind that the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished, and do all good works. Now having said that, while all scripture is valuable and profitable, I think we all have portions of scripture that we find to be more profitable than others, more valuable in their practicality than others. We have our favorite verses, we have our favorite passages, And uh, probably not too many have memorized these last three verses in Philippians. One reason we might think of these as throwaway verses is because of the way in which we handle our own personal letters. Take, for example, the the salutation. Dear brother, dear sister, so-and-so. How many times have you used that and... In reality, that person is not all that dear to you. <laughs> They're not all that precious to you. But uh, it's a formality. It's, 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 it's a nicety. It's uh, politically correct to address people as dear so-and-so when we're writing a letter. Well, sometimes that's the way we think about salutations and uh, also the uh, closing remarks of, uh, of a book. We may say things like, sincerely, sincerely yours, uh, best of wishes, regards, etc., etc. However, however, if you are in a new relationship with an individual that you are developing uh, an interest in, let us say, and uh, you've been corresponding with them over a period of time, Uh, You may uh, find yourself, okay, now, I can say this from personal experience, having been away from my wife in our dating years, and we'd write back and forth, uh, the very first thing I would do would be to look at the bottom of the letter. How was it signed? Did she use the L word? Did she say love? Uh, that was pretty significant. That was pretty important. Uh, that was pretty special. I thought about that for a while. All right. So even these closing remarks can be significant when there's sincerity, when there's reality, where there's authenticity behind it, when there is intentionality behind it. And we find that there's a great deal of intentionality in the scriptures. And so there is value for us as we look at these closing remarks. Now, what I'm going to do is make some observations. I have four, and they don't necessarily tie together real well, 
So I don't have an op, op, outline in uh, the normal sense, but I have four observations that I'd like to make from this particular portion of Scripture. The first observation is that there are no personal greetings at the close of the book of Philippians. It simply says in verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, Philippians stands in direct contrast to other books, for example, the book of Romans. I'd like you to turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 16. I'm going to start reading at verse 6. Romans 16, starting at verse 6. Keep your finger here, we're coming right back. Romans 16, 6 says this. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Grant Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, and has been a mother to me as well. Greet Astronachritus, uh, Phlygian, Hermes, uh, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet uh, Phil- uh, Philogus, Julia, Nerusus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. You can see there are many, many different individuals named by name with a, a certain epitaph about who they are and what they have done. So why is that a significant observation? Well, first, for the greetings and salutations of the Bible are not mere boilerplate. They are, are not just a rote ending to a particular letter that is sent out. But Paul has different ways of ending different letters. Um, Many times there are similarities, but there are also some differences. So why is that important? Well, secondly, to realize that Paul closes his letters in different ways keeps us from jumping to some erroneous conclusions. For example... One erroneous conclusion might be that the reason that Paul does not mention people by name is because he's afraid of leaving some people out. Paul simply does not want to offend anyone. I actually came across that in a couple of commentaries. It said, well, the reason he doesn't mention everybody is he can't mention everybody, so he doesn't mention anybody. He doesn't want to leave anybody out. Well, what about Romans? Okay. In fact... In Romans, he does leave people out. For he says such things as Romans 16, 14. Greet Philegion, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nerus, and sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. So he names specific people, and he names large groups of people. Certainly, Paul is not above singing out people for special recognition, even in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord 
Jesus to send Timothy to you, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Now that's interesting. Philippians 2.20. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Now notice our text, 421. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. There are people that here he refers to as brothers, probably so designated in this particular instance because they are co-workers with the Apostle Paul. He refers to them as co-workers, and earlier in the book he says, I have no one like Timothy who is concerned about your well-being. If he's concerned about offending people by singling people out, then he never would have singled Timothy out above the co-workers that are with him at that very time and at that very moment. So certainly that is not the motivation. Also, if you look at Philippians 4.2, Paul singles out Iodia and Syntyche. And there he says in Philippians 4.2, I treat Iodia and Syntyche to, be ag- to agree in the Lord. Here he singles them out negatively. Uh, they have some work to do. There is some reconciliation that needs to take place. So it isn't as though Paul is afraid of singling people out or, or leaving people out. There must be some other reason. Second observation. There is uniqueness to this greeting that is not found anywhere else in any of Paul's epistles. The uniqueness is found in verse 21. It states in the ESV, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Paul's typical statement is to greet all the saints. Here he says, greet every saint. And every saint is the proper translation. Now let me go through a number of the translations. King James says, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The NAS says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. However, the 1984 edition of the NIV says, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. And the newer NIV states, states, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. Some might say that this is a difference without a distinction, okay? Uh, that, that really, it doesn't mean anything, okay? For, in essence, you're saying the same thing. It's just another way of saying the very same thing. In one sense, it is true that in greeting every saint, you greet all the saints, and greeting all the saints, you greet every saint. That's true. But there is a nuance of difference. This is the only place in the New Testament where we're talking about a group of individuals that saint is in the singular. Saint is in the singular. Everywhere else, 
Saints is in the plural. What else is significant? Uh, is that the your in the statement oh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just stop there. Okay. But, so what is the, the significance? Every person that has a relationship to Christ are a saint. The emphasis is on the inclusivity. They are all on equal footing. Notice verse 21 that says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Every saint in Christ Jesus. Every single person who is in Christ is a saint. Is a saint. One would expect that when it says in verse 21, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Greet you. The you is in the plural. And we would expect that if the you is in the plural, that the word that it modifies would be in the plural as well that it would refer to saints as opposed to an individual saint. But what is being stressed here is saints as a group. Let me say more about that in just a moment. Third observation. Not just Paul, but others greet the saints at Philippi as well. The co-workers of Paul greet the Philippians. The brothers who are with me greet you. Those who have come to faith in Christ greet the Philippians. Verse 22. All the saints greet you. And then Paul singles out a particular people that greet the Philippians. He says, especially, verse 22, those of Caesar's household. Those of Caesar's household. Why is that significant? Well, the gospel had reached even to those who were servants of Caesar. Um, Back in Philippians chapter 1, Paul was talking about how the gospel had, by his, uh, had been furthered by his imprisonment. In Philippians 1.12, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. We noted last week that the Philippians had developed a good reputation by sending Epaphroditus who represented the Philippians well. And they had sent Epaphroditus with a gift while Paul was in prison. And Paul said, I don't really need that gift. I have learned 
how to be self-sufficient. I know how to, to get along with little or with much, but you did well by sending a gift. But just think for a moment what impact that that would have on these individuals who are guarding Paul. He's their prisoner. He's their, their guards. And Paul says, no other church sent money to me besides you. You're the only one. What they were doing was quite out of the ordinary. They sent money. They sent somebody just to minister to Paul's needs. Think of the impact upon those soldiers who were guarding Paul that saw Epaphroditus come and go and saw him growing weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker because we found out earlier, of course, in the book of Philippians that he's near unto death for the work of Christ. And they see the commitment of this particular individual. They see the lifestyle of the Apostle Paul who says, I really don't need this, but he's, he's done a good thing. They see the charitableness of the Philippians. They had an impact upon these guards and any servants who had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they are expressing, especially they want to greet you, okay? They want to convey their best wishes to you. Also unpacking that, just remember that the Jews are under Roman oppression. The Jews have no great love for the Roman army, especially the, the imperial army, the, the uh, Navy SEALs of the uh, Navy, if you will, okay, the elite army. And here are these elite army men addressing the Jewish people and sending their greetings to them. Uh, the gospel has set the world on end. It has changed relationships that you would expect or not expect to have taken place. Now, Philippi just happens to be a Roman colony. And people who are born in Philippi actually are Roman citizens. That's a big deal in Philippi. And it creates issues again between the Jews and the Greeks in the city of Philippi. And so when he says, now, especially these Jewish, these uh, people from Caesar's household are greeting you, it has a statement about reciprocity for being welcomed, okay? Uh, we are in a situation, once again, in our country where race relations are pretty tense, pretty tense right now. And I'm not going to go into all the debate. You know it. You're hearing it uh, of what's taking place. My point is it's tense. How does that flow over into the life of the church? How does that affect the way that we greet those that come into our midst? How does that affect the way that we rejoice in people who come to faith that don't look like us or don't act like us? How does that square with our even thinking that that profession of faith is genuine or real. 
Okay? If you can kind of put in the context some of the, the negative issues that are existent right now in our culture with race relations and you know, uh, also Islamic people, et cetera, et cetera, if you can take that and then jettison that back into the New Testament church, just realize what's going on here as we have Jewish people greeting Roman people, we have soldiers, free people that are uh, greeting people under oppression. Remember that these are people who have been standing guard over uh, Paul. Paul is still in prison. He hasn't been released. These are his captives. And he's saying, they greet you. Well, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty significant. Observation number four. Concerning the closing benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The NAS, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The NIV, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. King James, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I quite frankly don't always understand the dynamics of every translation. Meaning, I don't always know why it is the translators have chosen to translate a particular verse the way they choose to translate it. Okay? Um, sometimes I, I think it's because they, they look at what's normative, what, what is often the translation. Also, because if you look at the way it's written, sometimes the Bible doesn't make the best sense from the casual reading of it. So let me go into more detail what I was alluding to earlier. If you look at verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What's unusual about that statement is that the word spirit is singular and the word your is plural. Now, in English, your can be singular or plural, but in Greek, there's two different forms. Uh, just uh, kind of like in the South, y'all, okay? There's, a, there's a, a different way of saying you plural. This is you, you plural, spirit is singular. So it's talking about a plurality of you, and it's talking about one spirit, okay? So what does that mean? It means it's not talking about individuals any longer. Okay, it's not talking about, about every person. We have moved from verse 21, greet every Christian, now to this benediction that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit collectively. So then we have to ask the question, what does it mean, your spirit? Okay. Um, the King James decided to say, that the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So the spirit being the human spirit. Uh, but usually, when it's referring to people, it's not so much talking about their spirit as their soul in the scripture. Not, not always, but, but more often than not. So I don't think it's talking about their human spirit here. It certainly doesn't make sense grammatically to be talking about 
the human spirit. So what's he talking about? The same thing that he's been talking about throughout the entire letter. Turn with me back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, looking at verse 27. Only let your mind, manner of life, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The one spirit is referring to one attitude. It's referring to one mind. It's referring to a way of conducting yourself. And you're all to conduct yourself in that same way. It is standing firm together in the things of the Lord, in a, walking in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. It's the opposite of being divided. It's the opposite of Yodia and Syntyche, who no longer can work together. Okay? He's calling them to be experiencing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with one spirit, with one mind, with one attitude, with one collectivity. All right? So Paul isn't choosing individuals here because he's emphasizing the whole. But in emphasizing the whole, he wants to be emphasizing it's made up of individuals. Greet every single person. So every single person in Christ is in the same level. Why is that important? Because the Judaizers in chapter 3 were saying, you need to be circumcised, you need to have this, if you're going to really have the relationship with God you want to have. He says, in Christ, you're all a saint. In Christ, you have been separated. Every single one of you. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. In relationship to Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're a saint, meaning separated unto God. You have the same standing before God. Galatians says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. That's borne out in these greetings. Of even the Praetorian Guard greets you. For there's no difference, Jew or Greek, bond or free, prisoned or imprisoned. You all have the same standing in Christ. Now, the benediction is that they would have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you with your spirit. What is most needed to stand together with one mind working together for the cause of Christ? Answer, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. So he says, May the grace of God be with your spirit, with this attitude, with this working together, with this collectivity. But what does that mean? May the grace of God be with you. It's kind of an interesting way of saying it. Okay? He's looking at a particular attribute of God. May God's grace be with you. That can be understood in two ways. May the grace of God enable you. 
May you, by his grace, live together with one heart, one mind, one soul, etc. But then you wouldn't expect it to say, may it be with you. May it be with you. I submit to you that what it is saying is the, may the grace of God characterize your spirit. When he's saying may the God of grace be with you, he is saying, in essence, may you be gracious. May you be gracious. May, may the spirit that exists among you be a spirit of graciousness. That's how we need to interact with one another. We need to interact with one another graciously. Which means kindly. Which means lovingly. Which also means in ways in which people don't deserve. Better than they deserve. So it includes ideas of being forgiving. Long-suffering. Patient. But most significantly, it is evidencing the way in which Christ has dealt with each and every one of us, namely in grace. We're saved by grace. We walk by grace. Grace characterizes his relationship to us. Every single one of us. Every person who is in Christ, verse 21. And now needs to demonstrate to others the grace that we received. For Paul, that's what he means when he's saying, walk worthy of the manner of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you unpack verses 21 to 23, they are actually in a minuscule, an exegesis of the body of the letter. It's, it's actually a, a very concise application of what Paul has been trying to communicate to the Philippians throughout the entire letter. Namely, number one, that in Christ Jesus, we're all on the same level. Don't let people tell you that you need X and X to be in this unique, particular relationship to Jesus Christ. No, if you know Christ, we're all on the same level in Christ Jesus. Secondly, that we are to welcome everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ is their Savior. That's our bond. It is a greater bond than any social, economical, ethnic relationship that we could have. There should be nothing more precious to us and nothing more important to us than a person knows Jesus Christ. And if they know Jesus Christ, they are our brother or sister. That should be a reality to us. And we shouldn't question the power or grace of God that can such and such a person really be saved? Whoever thought Paul would be saved? Whoever thought that these, these hardened Roman soldiers would be saved? Maybe the Philippian jailer. Remember the story of the Philippian jailer? This is the book of Philippi. This is where it happened. That prisoner, that those, Paul and Silas, and they're miraculously released, and he's about ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't be afraid, we're here, we're okay. You're all right. And he believes, he and his whole house, and he's baptized. What God did for that Philippian jailer, he now does for these Roman soldiers. Okay? 
Don't believe that a certain group of people can't be saved. Don't believe that there are people that are beyond the grace of God. Realize that anyone, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And there will be people saved from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. So don't be surprised if they walk into our door. And may we welcome them because they are children of the Lord Jesus Christ. And fourth, the only thing that's going to hold us together is the power of God. The only thing that is going to enable us to be the people of God that we ought to be is the work of the Holy Spirit. And what needs to be foremost in that work of the Holy Spirit is an impartation of grace so that we treat one another with real grace. Not just political correctness, not just with kindness, but in that salvific kind of grace that we have received from God. That willingness to overlook people's sins. The willingness to overcome hurts that have been perpetrated against us. A willingness because for the cause of Christ and the advancement of the gospel to be willing to work with one another even as Yodia and Syntyche were called upon to work together. And in closing, let me just say this, that the greatest way in my estimation to really create a bond with God's people is in working together. Uh, last week I, I talked about being partakers of the grace and the gospel. And I really emphasized that that was working together. Uh, we've really cheapened fellowship today to think about, well, food, uh, fellowship is food and talking together. Uh, food and talking is fellowship. Well, the real emphasis in the scriptures is that fellowship is the working together for the cause of Christ. And there's nothing that brings God's people together more than working together on a, prom, uh, on a common goal, a common effort, a common desire to see God's work go ahead, and each pulling their own weight. And there is no area of time in which we need to have more grace than when we're working together. And there are different ideas about how things should be done. There's different responsibilities that are taken, some that are doing more, some that are doing less. Grace, grace, grace for the cause of Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to be a gracious people. Help us to truly appreciate our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter who they are, no matter uh, what uh, ethnicity, what, no matter what uh, social plane, uh, no matter what their background. Uh, Lord, help us to welcome them because you have welcomed them, because they are in Christ. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to have a, a real gracious spirit. May it really characterize our dealing with one another. May it not just be uh, a general kindness and a likability, but Lord, a, a, a true grace that is in keeping with your grace, the grace that we have received in our salvation. May we extend that to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.